This episode of TGC Q&A is sponsored by The Gospel Project, a chronological Bible study for all ages, explaining how Scripture points to Jesus, encouraging us to live on mission. Visit gospelproject.com TGC to download a free ebook and try additional resources. Welcome back to TGC Q&A, a podcast from the Gospel Coalition, where each week you'll hear conversations between members of our council and friends who provide their unique perspective on your most pressing spiritual questions. I'm your host, Stephen Morales, and today we're joined by Al Moeller and Brian Chappell as they discuss the question, how could Jesus not know the day or hour of his return? Please note that this conversation was recorded before the COVID-19 global pandemic. Let's listen in. So Al Mohler, theologian for uh, decades, how could an omniscient son of God not know the day and the hour of his return? You know, when I teach theology, I always say that we have to learn how best to ask the question. You ask it exactly as uh, it would be asked commonly, and uh, that's very helpful. I want to turn that and say that according to the scripture, it'd be better for us to ask how does an omniscient Christ not know mm-hmm. um, in, in the sense that it's not a matter of whether it's a capacity or a potentiality. Jesus declared it at the moment in his incarnation that it was true. And so looking at that moment, how, how is that true? Well, the Christian church has struggled with this for a long time, but came to some very early clarity. And I think in particular of the Council of Nicaea in 325, pointing out that, that Christ has two natures, and that each of those natures has its own properties. Mm-hmm. And uh, neither of those natures is compromised, his divine nature and his human nature. And in his incarnation, um, his human nature was, uh, was it, not such that it eclipsed his divine nature. That, that would not be possible. But his human nature functioned in the incarnation in such a way that he tells us how it functions. He is making something very clear there. Now, he is fully God, and omniscience is a property of divinity. Uh, I think this is probably helpfully understood within Philippians chapter 2, when Christ humbled himself. Now, there are theologians who take this emptying or humbling to an extreme that isn't biblical. Denying his deity at that point. Exactly, exactly. Or acting like his deity is a switch he turns on and off, Mm -hmm. uh, which isn't that at all. But uh, in his incarnation, I mean, just... I think one of the most amazing verses in Scripture comes in Luke so soon after the birth of Jesus when we are told that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. How can Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, or truly God and truly man, how can he increase in wisdom? Well, it is because in the incarnation, he genuinely grew from an infant uh, into adulthood. And I don't want to ask how can he have done that? I just want to say, how do we explain how he did do that? Right. How did he in the manger continue to uphold all things by the word of his power while yes. he's a baby in the manger? But, yes. but he's fully God still right. and fully man. And we understand that. Can Al, because I don't often have the opportunities with you, I mean, reflect on the Hebrews 5. If, if he is going to be in all manner tempted as we are yet right. without sin, we believe that in his humanity, he becomes a faithful high priest for us. Right. And it, it is necessary for him to have his humanity to be a right 
and righteous sacrifice for us. So, so he's sympathetic with our need because of our humanity, but he's also a sufficient sacrifice for us. Right. By, can you reflect on why is it necessary that he be fully human, even to the extent that he doesn't know the day and the hour, right. but you and I don't just wonder at that. We actually need to know that, that yes. he would be a sufficient sacrifice for, and a sympathetic priest for us. Right. Why, why, does, why do we need to know that he does not know the day and the hour? Yeah, I think we need to know that because of his, as you say, his true humanity. And his true humanity, by the way, is, is, is sometimes heard merely as authentic humanity. Whereas in the history of, of the Christian church, true humanity has meant perfect humanity. And so when we say that he was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin, that yet without sin is just as important as tempted in every way as we are. And so when you're looking at Christ, you're looking at perfect humanity, which means, by the way, that when Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, it's not an accident that human beings have a life cycle. Mm -hmm. It's not an accident that we are infants and we, we have to grow. We have to even gain language capacity. And then imagining Christ, fully God and fully man, having to learn how to speak. He who was the logos through whom the, the worlds were made. But, you know, Brian, I really appreciate the gospel centeredness of your question. Because there in Hebrews, it makes clear that his perfect humanity is not an abstract, some kind of theological exercise by God the Father. It's not a, it's not a Trinitarian uh, exercise merely. It's for our redemption. Yes. Uh, we are redeemed because he is our perfect high priest. His perfect humanity is essential to that. And the Hebrews 4.15 is actually making that clear, isn't it? That he Absolutely. is going to be limited. I, hate, I don't know the right words. You're the theologian better than I. I. Limiting the way in which he assumes his full humanity is is such that he is fulfilling his high priestly role. Yes. That he will now be the perfect substitute for us because right. not only in all manner tempted yes. like as we are, but in all manner like as we are. So he yeah. is the right and full and perfect substitute in our behalf, even as he sympathizes for us in his, in our weakness. And the only thing I want to really add to that eagerly is we can't talk about that just in the past tense. He is perfect humanity glorified. He, he is our great high priest right now. He was on the cross, but he is right now sitting at the right hand of God, the father almighty. And so Presbyterians quote a catechism that says he was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. Hey, I got to quote the catechism. You know, I you're going to get an eager Baptist. Amen. <laughs> okay, great. Good to talk with you always, Al. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of TGC Q&A. To submit a question that you'd like to hear answered on this podcast, send us a message on Twitter or Instagram or email us at ask at tgc.org. And remember to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. And we hope to join us again next week.